Welcome to Dublin's Den. This is your host, Richard. Joining me today are my co-host, Matt. Hey, guys. And my co-host, John. What's happening? And today we're talking about episode one of The Bad Batch. And John's going to give us a review on the Metal Gear story. Yeah, there's going to be some spoilers if you haven't watched The Bad Batch. And... Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of spoilers with Metal Gear if you're unfamiliar with it. So, um, I mean, I can't really tell you to go play Metal Gear unless you have a PS3 and a GameCube right now. So, um, go watch Bad Batch, and if you have a problem with spoilers for Metal Gear, you're pretty much shit out of luck. Well... Bad Batch was awesome. I had I didn't have super high hopes, but it starts off really good. And I started like I actually gave a damn about the characters as the show progressed. Though I had one issue, and it's not going to stop me from collecting the pops. But it was one it was one issue. I kind of was like, eh, I'm not really cool about that. Should I go ahead and tell them, Richard? Yeah, go ahead. So Crosshairs was pretty badass, and then he turned evil at the end. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, it wasn't even like a question of, is he going to turn evil? He was a dick the entire episode. So I was just like, okay, he's going to turn evil somehow. And at the end, he just, they just basically brainwash him, and he's just like, well, Fuck you guys. I'm a sniper. All right. I'm going to expand on that more while doing the review for the episode. So the episode begins during the Battle of Kalar, where uh, Jedi Depa Bilaba and her Padawan, Caleb Doom, who is Canon Jarvis in the Rebel series, are kind of like being holed down by the Separatist army. Yeah, they're pinned down waiting for backup. Caleb gets uh, Clone Force 99, which if you've seen Clone uh, the Clone Wars the animated series, in Season 7, they that's where they make their first appearance. So these aren't new characters by any means. But... I don't think they've been around very long, though. Biscuit. Well, I mean, they didn't come in until Season 7. I think they're only in like one or two episodes. Oh, no, I'm saying, and even in this, I think this is going to run up to Rogue One, and I don't think they're around after after that. They no. could be. We just don't know. That's the great oh, thing about no. Star Wars. They can just, you can say whatever you want. But, um, anyhow. Oh, yeah. Clone, uh, Clone Force comes in, dispatches the, uh, George Force. First, they're all like, who'd you bring as reinforcements? And he's like, oh, I got five guys. And everyone's like, Padawan, what the hell? And then they see them just destroy the whole, all those droids without even trying. Yeah, no, they made it look easy. By the way, did you guys think the uh, Padawan's voice was Aladdin? It's uh the Padawan was Freddie Prince Jr. And this one too? Yep. 
I know Freddie Prince Jr. was wasn't he him in uh, in Rebels? Yes. Oh, that's, that's cool. Pretty, it's that's still him. Freddie Prince Jr. But um, so once they defeat the droids, Tech gets some info that the war's about to end because General Kenobi is about to take out General Grievous. Yes. So the Jedi decides to go for the uh, counterattack against the droids. And right before they do that, Order 66 is executed. And her clones, uh, Deborah's clones, begin to attack her. She has Caleb run away. He runs through the forest. And Hunter and Crosshair chase Caleb down to try to help him. Now, Hunter was trying to help him. Crosshair was fully aware of trying to fuck this kid up. I'm just trying to figure out why the hell everyone just turned on the Jedis and why all the other troopers are just trying to kill them. And then Crosshairs, every time he's like, oh, I see him. He's in a tree. Shoots. Shoots gun at him. If I was Hunter, I would have got pissed. Like, Crosshairs, quit your shit. I'm trying to talk to this kid. Anyways, so they chase uh, Caleb knocks out Crosshair by kicking him in the chest into a tree, and uh, Caleb ends up going to this ravine where Hunter's talking to him, telling him that he's still on his side to calm down. And Caleb's like, "No, fuck that! You shit. killed my Jedi. You killed the Jedi. You are traitors. You you all suck." They jumps across the ravine. Crosshair shows up. Hunter tells him that when he jumped, I stunned him, and he fell into the ravine. He's dead. Which, of course, Crosshair does not believe. And uh, that's where Crosshair says good soldiers follow orders. In that area where you kind of begin to know that uh, Crosshair still has his inhibitor in him. So the uh, Clone Force goes back to Camino in time to see the Emperor Palpatine speech, which is lifted straight from Episode Three of Legend of the Sith, and it's it's like completely lifted. They didn't redo the lines. Nope. It's it's straight up from the movie. Yes, and the team especially wanted to go to the. To go to see the the speech because they're wondering what was going on, because they still had no idea why they turned on the Jedi. Even though apparently they found out the war was over, but all the other troopers are being way more militaristic than usual. So, after the speech, the group going back to the barracks where they're stopped by Omega, a little girl living on Camino completely out of place. And she instantly takes a liking to the group. But she is a uh, medical assistant for Nalasi. Nalasi? Nalasi. All I know is that when I hear those two Caminoans names together, I think of that Michael Jackson song. And it was uh, at this part where currently in the show, Admiral Tarkin arrives. 
Yeah, I like that. Young Tarkin. And he's going to be a complete dick. He talks to Nolisi and the Prime Minister Lamasu about their contract for the clones and how it no longer exists under the Empire because the contract was for the Republic for the clones and Admiral Tarkin does not like clones. They're talking about it and they're saying, well, clones are cheaper, more efficient than a recruited bunch of troopers. No, they were saying it was cheaper to recruit just troopers than make these clones. That was his big argument to the senator. It was like, it's way cheaper just to like pick up some nobodies than it is to actually manufacture clones. So, hang on. So, anybody else think that Omega might be a... Uh, we know it's obviously a clone of Yep. Do, you, do you think she may be a little Palpatine and maybe Force-sensitive, too? I just got that from looking at her hair. It looks like Palpatine's hair. I didn't get that, though she does have heightened senses, just like Hunter. So maybe she does. Maybe him, her and Hunter are maybe a little Force-sensitive. It's well, very possible. Well, see, the thing that made me think that is when she shot at Crossfire, mm-hmm. or whatever his name is, that was done with a regular blaster. And as we all know, blasters are clumsy and clunky. And, like, that was a, a hell of a shot. But they also said there was only there was five clones, and we know uh, one Tech. of them is not actually a clone. Or Tech not actually a... Yeah, Echo is the one that's not. Echo's not one of the... uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. Echo is one that was just a regular soldier who almost died. He got blew up on Sakura Minor. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think that Omega might be the fifth clone. Probably done the same way as Boba Fett was without the accelerated aging. Well, Omega is the fifth clone. the The show states it. Yeah, they said that in, like, the end. That's why they go back to Camino at, uh, at the end of the episode. Yeah, they said that and They said that right before they went back to Camino. Well, so does that mean that maybe she's got the same... Maybe she's got, you know, how each one of them's got their own little niche that they have. Maybe she's got all of it. Could be. She could. She does have heightened senses like Hunter, so she does have that going for her, but she might have the the like crosshairs really good aim. Yeah. Cause when she shot a crosshair, she shot both guns out of his hands. Or no, she shot the first one and she she saw and pulled the second gun. Yeah, that was uh, that was a mad accurate shot. I was like, Jesus, you don't see I can't remember anybody I've seen that accurate with the blaster. By the way, tech is like my favorite I call him the Donatello of the group. <laughs> I had a really mad, like, Teenage Mutant Turtle vibe from this group, almost. Well, I think, I just think it's going to be a good lead up into Rogue One. It's going to cover that time of the Empire being formed, and it, it's going to, I think it's going to, be a good stopgap 
for that part. And then Mandalorian's going to kind of cover the time behind the originals and the sequels. I think, I think they got a pretty good premise going. Yeah. I'm not counting the other 30 shows coming out for Disney Plus yeah, in the next they, couple of years. I'm ready for the Obi-Wan show. No lie. That's probably the one I'm most ready for. Obi-Wan's like my favorite Star Wars character besides Grievous. So I'm pretty excited. All right. Getting back to the review. So basically, they're at their home planet and they're thinking that thing that things are off and things are weird. They also when they meet Omega and they start thinking, what's a little girl doing around here? They go to the chow hall, they start sitting down. Apparently the group is known as the bad bunch or the, the bad bunch or bad, the bad batch. You know the name of the fucking show, Matt. They didn't call him that you dick if you were awake. They, they did. Him the they batch. called him the. They called him the sad batch, talking shit to him. That's what I'm saying. They never called him the bad batch. Anyways, they're all apparently defective clones, and they sit by themselves alone in the chow hall. Omega sits with them, and while she starts talking to the group, random stormtrooper just walks by and he just starts talking shit, calling them the sad batch. She's like, oh, look. That little girl's hanging out with these sad fucks, pretty much. And that's when Omega starts the lunchroom fight with this guy. And then Hunter, of course, steps in and goes, alright, I'm gonna take care of this. Beat the crap out of these people. And then a giant fight starts in the chow hall. <laughs> which, uh, what was the big one's name? Wrecker. Wrecker. Wrecker was just having a ball, just fighting all these stormtroopers, pretty much doing wrestling moves. It was That was funny to me when Crosshair is just sitting there eating his dinner. He's like, I don't want to deal with any of this crap. Someone fucks up his food, and that's when he gets into it. I mean, Echo Tech, Hunter, and Wrecker all just already fighting, but Crosshair is like, I'm not doing this petty shit. Anyways, they get summoned, and they think they're going to get in trouble for what they did in Chow Hall. But actually, they get summoned to a training simulator so that um, the general, what was his name? Admiral Tarkin. Thank you. So he could test out the clones and basically prove, prove that they're worthless. So the senator gets them into a training hall. Starts telling them to show show off. And the first trial run they do, they have all their guns to stun. Even the robots that they're fighting against have it to stun. This is all blasters. I'm not using real guns. Yes, pretty much. Uh, I'm sorry about that. So everything's training, nothing's lethal. And obviously they take care of everything pretty quickly. But then the Admiral's like, okay, let's see what they do in an actual firefight. So he orders the Senator to set them all to lethal lethal rounds. The, clo- the clones downstairs don't know anything about this. 
They all think they won. They're just talking that shit like we got this. All of a sudden, the lethal rounds start shooting around them, and they're freaking out. Wrecking its wings. And then they start having to figure out what the heck to do because they all their weapons are all just training weapons. They, there's no lethal rounds in any of them. They're still shooting to fight them off, but it's not doing anything. It's, ba- it's basically slowing them down to a tad. Oh, man, but it was so awesome. Tech, go ahead. Tech, Wrecker, and Echo, go ahead and pin down one robot. Tech rewires it, and he starts using live ammo to shoot down other guys. Wrecker's going off, destroying other robots. Crosshairs is helping out, slow other ones down, and Hunter's going off, knifing them. It was really bad, eh? And then my favorite scene of the whole thing was right as the last droid was still firing at them, pinning them down. He got record to throw his knife. Uh, Crosshairs got a record to throw his knife in the mid air, and Crosshairs just shoots the knife directly into the, the droid's head, killing it. This was the shit. Again, I actually liked Crosshairs. I was gonna. I'm still gonna get his pop, but I'm not happy about him now. <laughs> so, once all that happens, they get they get orders to go to uh, what planet was it, Richard? Alderaan. They get orders to go to Alderaan to basically fight the Separatist uprising. And that's all they're told. So they think it's no business as usual. They think it's going to be a bunch of robots. Little did they find out that it was actually a bunch of civilians fighting to stay alive. The civilians end up actually capturing Group 99. And the first thing they do is tell them like either to surrender or they're gonna get fired at. So Hunter basically says, "Let's listen to them. Let's hear them out." Hunter gets a big old speech from one of the ref. I would say refugees or civilians would it be. That is Saul Guerrero. That's not just one of them. Saul that Guerrero. is the man trained by Captain Rex and Anakin during the Clone Wars. Ooh, I did not he know. was a massive character in the series. Did not know that. Wasn't wasn't he Forrest Whitaker? Uh can't remember who plays him off the top of my head right now, but no. I thought that was who Forrest Whitaker was. Mm-mm. That's uh, a Hispanic one. guy. Well, uh. dang. I was wrong about that. Sorry, folks. I never watched the Clone Wars show. Um, it was interesting. I caught a few times on Toonami at night, but I never actually watched it. But the Bad Batch looked really cool. I liked the character design, so I started. I watched it purely out of curiosity. Any loser. So, Richie, what was his name? Saul Guerrero. Saul gives Hunter a big old speech, like about how all of them 
all the other troops turned on them and how they're, st- they're basically still fighting to stay alive. And he, he tells Hunter he has a choice. Either die with the past or was it fight for the future? Something like that. I can't remember what he said verbatim. Exactly. I can't remember for word for word either. So he basically tells Hunter that this is what's happening, this is what's going on, and you need to figure out your place in this world. As they do that, they basically he gets all the other refugee civilians and they just they book it. They just start heading into the forest more. Hunter and Crosshairs get into an argument because Hunter Hunter believes him and thinks that maybe things are going off that he that shouldn't be happening. Crosshairs is is like, we need to kill them now. This was our orders. These are what we were told to do. This is why we're on this planet. But Hunter's like, okay, no, we're not doing any of that. <laughs> you start to see Crosshairs become more and more evil because he keeps on repeating. That's what good soldiers do. They follow orders. But Hunter's like, get on the ship, bro. We're going. So they get back on the ship. They go back to the um, home planet name, please. Camino. Camino. There we go. Go back to Camino. Knowing full well that Omega is the fifth clone and that they need to save her. Because they already, Hunter's pretty much decided where he sits on the whole thing, and the rest of the group agrees with him except for Crosshairs. I like, I keep saying Crosshairs, but it's Crosshair. Anyway, Crosshairs disagrees with everything. He does not want to go save the little girl. He's not He's not upset about going back to the planet, but he's not really into saving the little girl. But Hunter's like, this is the plan. We're going to go. We're going to take care of business. Wang, bang, boom. Get her. Get out of here. Funny stories. They land on the planet. They instantly go to jail. Woo. Where they find Omega, because she's in jail too. So once they get in the holding cells, they start devising a plan on how to get out. While they're in captivity, Crosshairs is actually picked up by... The Admiral, there we go. Pinned up on the Admiral so that he can get brain brainwashed into to actually working for him and the Empire. Yeah, they have his programming turned way up. It's not really brainwashing him, it's just turning up his programming. Yeah, true statement, but uh, you, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's brainwashing because he did. He's not brainwashing. He, he was fighting it a little bit. No, he wasn't. He was having those headaches and all that stuff. He was kind of fighting it. No. He probably just had a defective chip. No, they just I... amplified it. They didn't really do anything else. 
Like it's not working at a hundred percent capacity. Well, the way they explained it is that the other the other the other troopers have the the same thing too, but since they're defects and they're um, they weren't genetically modified like the other stormtroopers to be so submissive. So that's why they they don't really have that issue. And Echo just doesn't have one. His got damaged. Yeah, Echo got up because he's pretty much a walking corpse. Any who's it? So Crosshair's not being brainwashed, but his his chip is being modified to be on full blast, so that he that he succumbs to the orders of the sixty six. While they're doing that, Tech realizes that in the jail cell that he realizes that. This whole base, this whole place, wasn't meant to be a holding cell. This facility was built way before the war. So there's no way that this jail cell can hold an, can could hold someone um, so enhanced like Wrecker. Because Wrecker was actually enhanced to be a freaking Hulk thing type person. I would like to say he's a big bazooka tank. So Tech begins to look into the walls and figure out there's a house, there's a weak spot in the middle. Wrecker fucks it up. They got Omega to sneak into the small little hole and it reaches all the way into the air vents. Once she's in the air vents, she sees the other. She sees the guards start to harass the harass the group. Going, what are you guys doing? What are you? Why is he sitting there? Blah blah bloop, blah blah bleep. And then Omega just drops the whole vent on those guards and unlocks unlocks the cell for for our group. So once the group gets gets out. The first mission is to get get their equipment and get the hell out of there. So they head over to the they head over to the hangar, start getting their gear, start getting dressed up, start getting ready. And then while Tech is working on working on the ship to get it ready and functional, of course Crosshairs is now I keep want to say brainwashed, but Crosshairs all. I'm evil now, yeah. So he's got a couple clones with him, and they're like, "You don't want to do this, bro." Crosshair's like, "Oh, I do. I totally do." So they start to pin the group down. The group is pinned down under heavy fire, while Tech is still trying to get the ship ready to go. Hunter's main priority is to keep Omega safe, so he's got her. While Record. Record and Echo are just trying to maintain the line, keeping those other troopers away. Record gets shot a lot for some reason. Record got shot again. <laughs> Record's just on the floor. If I remember correctly. And what happened next? Okay. So what happened next, Tech finally gets the ship going, so then 
Hunter and Echo start making cover fire for Omega and Wrecker to get into the ship. Once once Echo and Wrecker get into the ship and Omega gets to the ship, I mean, I'm sorry, Hunter's, Hunter's covering, doing cover fire. As they're making it into the ship, Hunter gets pinned down again by Crosshairs. Crosshairs is basically shooting to kill. And right when he gets the kill shot, you just hear a random blaster go off, and you see Crosshair's gun just flies out of his hand. And then you just, the camera moves into Omega holding a basic blaster. And she's, she keeps, she's shocked about how good her shot was, too. But she keeps unloading so that Crosshair's... Crosshair, you see Crosshair trying to pull a second gun out, but he starts ducking and hiding as well, and so do the other troopers. She actually shot another trooper, I believe. Anywho, they get on the spaceship. They get on a spaceship, escape. Crosshairs has this whole evil, like, I will get you moments at the end of the hangar. And pretty much wrap up the episode. They... Then the ship, and they're like, okay, where the heck do we go now? Where do we do? And Hunter's like, we have a friend. We have one friend that we can count on. And that's probably where the second episode is going to lead to. Which drops tonight or today when you guys are listening to this? It's going to be out on Disney on Friday. By the way, happy Mother's Day to people that are mothers. We appreciate you. Alright, so for our next segment, we're going to talk about one of my favorite video game franchises ever. All time. I will play this game to this day all the way through the whole series. And that is the Metal Gear franchise. It was made uh, by Hideo Kojima. Started back on the MSX with Metal Gear 1. And the story starts back at, in World War 2. Or World War 1, my bad. World War 1. We had a group of people called the Philosophers, which was Russia, China, and the United States. They got together, put up like $100 billion. And they pretty much controlled the world. Um, you fast forward to 1964. We have the Virtuous Mission. We a man named John get briefed by Major Zero. And he um, drops in in Russia, does Halo Jump. And goes through and ends up finding out that his former mentor had defected and gave some nukes over to the Russians. And um, so the Russians she gave nukes to this dickhead named Volgan. And he used one of the nukes. So the U.S. got blamed for that. And the USSR was like, hey, if you guys don't handle this, we are going to declare nuclear war. So they sent Snake back in, uh, Naked Snake, at this time. Um, they sent him back in 
to save Sokolov and take down the Shagohod. You know, eventually he has to kill his mentor, the boss. Um, we run into a series mainstay and Revolver Ocelot, who was originally using a handgun. I want to say it was a Walter PPK, but I could be wrong on that. Um, and it jammed on him. Snake said, the way you twist your elbow when you shoot and the fact that that gun's jamming on you, you should get a... Uh, you should use a revolver. That's where we got Revolver Ocelot from. And so in Snake Eater, which was this, this game called Snake Eater, he uh, Snake has to go up against the boss's old uh, crew, which was the Sorrow, which was also her lover. And she had a kid with him on D-Day, which ended up being um, Ocelot. And then you had the end, who was the old man. He was a sniper. And his little thing was, he was able to have, like, photosynthesis. You had the pain, who um, could control, like, hornets. And then you had the fear, who, who moved like a spider. Dude... The fear was probably one of my biggest nightmare-inducing moments from the Metal Gear series, just because of how he looked and the way he moved. What in the heck? He moves like a spider? Yes. And this is Naked Snake, right? Yeah, this was back in Metal Gear Solid 3. He's The fear was, uh, was one of them. I'm, there was another one. What was his name? Was it the Fury? The Fire Guy? I can't remember his name. I thought it was the Big Guy. Big Boy or Fat Boy. Do what? I'm, I'm sad. Just keep going. Alright. Anyways. So, long story short, Snake meets up with a uh, old and Volgan's crew, who ends up being Ava, and he was supposed to be looking for Adam. Adam never showed up. He got up with Ava. They ended up going in. They shot Big Boss in the face, or they shot Naked Snake in the face. While he was hanging, he was like, he was trying to protect Ava from getting shot and he swayed into it and it grazed his eye and that's where he got the iconic eye patch that made him look like Snake Plissken who the character was based on from Escape from New York, Escape from LA, good old Kurt Russell we get to the end of Metal Gear 3 they fight that, they destroy all that, Snake has to kill the boss and he is very um, reluctant to do that Cause she was his, his, she was his mentor. She was almost like a mother figure to him. Uh, into that game, Ocelot makes off with half of the philosopher's legacy. And Ava thought she had it. Who and she was a double, triple agent for China, trying to get the philosopher's legacy. Boss was there to get the philosopher's legacy. 
And Ocelot was there to get the Philosopher's Legacy. And Ocelot ended up with half of it. Comes back. Uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson deems Naked Snake the greatest soldier to ever live and awards him the title of Big Boss. They zero uh, and some of the people that helped him out on the mission through the codec, which was, you know, Sigint and Paramedic. Zero, Boss, or Big Boss, and Ocelot formed the Patriots, which was a way to control the masses in the United States. And eventually Big Boss gets tired of what they're doing, and he leaves and forms his own mercenary group. Um, and it's basically soldiers without borders. He wants to, he thinks that the boss's final wish was to have every soldier feel like they weren't just a tool of war. And Zero's, um, Zero's interpretation of what the boss wanted was to completely control everybody and everything. So you fast forward a little bit, you go to Peace Walker. That one's uh that one was first out on the PSP. And that is when we come into uh Huey Emmerich and Cypher and we finally meet Kaz Miller and of course Ocelot's in. That one's pretty it's that one's probably the shortest of the series. Then we move on to Ground Zeroes, which is, uh, they're coming in, Snake is trying to stop these people, they form a Metal Gear, Snake destroys the Metal Gear, saves the girl, uh, Paz, 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 something like that, and they're on the helicopter and she, they find out that she has a bomb in her. The medic removes one bomb, and when she comes to, she's like, no, dude, there's another one. And she jumps out of the helicopter, and it goes into an XOF helicopter, and then the only people that survived was uh, Kowser, the medic, and Big Boss. So you start on the Phantom Pain, and you're waking up out of a coma, and you're told you're big boss, and you play throughout this whole game like you're big boss. You save child soldiers. You you seem to have a little more humanity to you as Venom Snake, which is the body double. And this was also the first time that David Hayter did not provide the voice of Snake. They went with Kiefer Sutherland, and I absolutely hate After that, we go to Metal Gear 1, which was the first game that was made. Snake goes in. He's working for an elite team called Foxhound. And he goes in to... Chad. Chad. What? This is solid, right? Yeah, we're moving on to solid. From now on, if I say Snake, I'm talking about Solid Snake. You should just tell him Solid, then. His name's Snake. Solid Snake. 
we're going to call him Snake. I'm just saying it's a little confusing because, you know, there's Venom Snake, Salt Snake, and then, of course, the other guy. When anybody says Snake, they're talking about Solid. It's like known. Everybody uh, else goes by their understood. their full name. Snake uh, is Snake. So, anyways, Snake goes in. He uh, to take down uh, the mercenary leader, which is who that that's all they know you know him as throughout the whole game is the mercenary leader, and it's a little two D. You know, shoot them up, box the dogs, which is completely terrible. You got to punch the poor dogs, but here's what it is. Um, and that, and that one, he beats the shit out of Big Boss because they find out that not only is Big Boss the commander of Foxhound, he's also commanding this uh, mercenary group. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, like that shit was. Like, I didn't play it until Subsistence came out, which was a, a, basically a boot Metal Gear Solid 3 that came with Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2. And when that when I like got to that part, I was like, oh, shit. Because so, at that point, we didn't know about the body double. We didn't know about Venom Snake. We just thought, oh, shit, it's Big Boss. Fast forward to Metal Gear 2. You go uh, you go over there. There's a mercenary group in Southeast Asia. And they have this, like, oil refining stuff going on. and So you're going over there with a snake trying to stop all that from happening. Get the... Get the uh, formula for the oil stuff and who do you run into again boy gray fox who you were sent to rescue in the first one and big boss dramatic reverb yeah it's ridiculous i'm sitting here like how is he still alive and then you make a makeshift flamethrower you burn him to or so you think we'll get to that now we go to the shadow moses incident snake retired he's still living with you know he thinks i killed big boss i don't have to deal with the nightmares of what i was you know i can live my life now starts running sled dogs and living his life up in alaska until Colonel Campbell comes knocking on the door. Says that Foxhound has infiltrated Shadow Moses and has demanded Big Boss's body or they're going to use the Metal Gear and blow or they're going to launch a nuke. Of course, the United States does not negotiate with terrorists and you know, Foxhound was a military group for the United States. So they didn't think anything was going to come of it. Um, but this particular group was actually Big Boss's personal security team. It was Decoy Octopus, 
who could change his shape and pretty much become whoever he wanted to. Psycho Mantis, who was a psychic a telepath who had been around since the uh, since Metal Gear Solid Five storyline. He showed up in that one, controlling Silanthropus, the big old thing that Huey made or had made. Then, of course, you have Sniper Wolf. And who else was there? Sniper Wolf. Vulcan Raven, who was a big old Inuit dude. Who provided one of the best fights, I think. Because, you know, when I first played this game, it was 1998. I was nine years old. And, like, when I, when I first came up to that, and there's this, I'm out in the middle of a snowfield, and this guy's in a fucking tank. And all you get, the only way you'd beat him, you just throw grenades in the tank. Like every time he'll open it up, throw grenades in it. Uh, and of course, Revolver Ocelot, who has been a mainstay through the series, is there. Um, so basically, Snake's going in, Liquid and them have taken over the base, and he wants the ransom. Um, Liquid is Snake's twin brother, and they are both clones of Big Boss. So Snake ends up having to come to terms with the fact that he killed, essentially, his father. And deal with all, all the outfall from that during this mission. So Snake busts in, sneaks around, gets inside. Mm-hmm goes to save the DARPA chief who was Donald Anderson who was actually one of the Patriots that was uh, that was Sigint from Metal Gear Solid 3 and he's giving him all this information and just spilling and spilling and spilling information to him and uh, Merrill is in the next cell which there's some there's some funny things going on with Meryl. If you like, if you're in the crawl the vent when you're crawling over to go to the DARPA chief cell, you watch her. She she'll like exercise. Then you crawl over it again, come back. She'll be doing a different exercise, and you do it like four or five times, and then like she's in there in her drawers because Kojima's a pervert. Uh, anyway, so Anderson gives you a bunch of information, and then has a random heart attack. He dies. Snake goes out of that room and sees Meryl out there. She's incapacitated. One of the guards who has a problem with his bowels. She left him there naked, wearing his uniforms, got his gun, and a whole bunch of other guards bust up in there. Start shooting the shit up. Ba 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 ba. Snake keeps calling her a rookie, saying you haven't even taken the safety off. I ain't scared of you. You don't know what the hell you're doing. You ain't never been in this situation before. And they start murking these these guards that come in. Uh, then you proceed throughout the game. You go to the arms tech presidents being held captive by uh, Ocelot. Got him strapped to a bunch of C4. That's when you have the fight with Ocelot, which I always thought was a cool fight. 
you can see when Ocelot's got to reload, you know, when you got to take your shots. And, you know, it, you're basically stuck in this square room. And you cannot go to the middle of the room because you'll sit off to see before you kill the guy. So you, you, you're, you're doing your fight with, uh, with Ocelot. All of a sudden, somebody comes in and chops off his arm. Fucks him up. Pretty bad. Go throughout the game. You gotta. There's a whole bunch of backtracking, and then you have the sniper battle, and you have the torture sequence. And if you submit to the torture, you get a different ending where Otacon rides with you. Otacon is Huey's Huey's son, who decided he wanted to develop Metal Gears because he's a big fan of like the anime and like giant mechs and all that. So he's like, well, I'm going to do this, not realizing that he's creating weapons. At least I don't think he was realizing he was creating weapons. I think he was just trying to do something he thought was cool. Um, when you find him, in a, he's hiding in a locker. He pisses on himself because Otacon is a fucking pud. You have this big-ass fight with this cyborg ninja who ends up being none other than Gray Fox. Frank Yeager, the guy you <laughs> left in a minefield in the earlier games. Oh my gosh, Johnny! I, I hate to say this, but it sounds like a novella or like a hardcore soap opera drama. I mean, it is I, your brother, who you left in the, in the mines. Like he's Kojima's got a thing where he likes to. He wants his stuff to be like Hollywood. He likes he actually, American he actually wanted Kurt Russell. He actually wanted Kurt Russell to be Snake. And I just don't think it would have been right. I don't think there's another voice that could have done Snake. Anyways, so you go through, you have your sniper battle. Uh, you fight Liquid. Liquid's in a fucking hind D. And you have to fight him there. That was a terrifying fight the first time I did it. You know, if I could go back and experience Metal Gear Solid for the first time again, I think it would be beautiful. Uh, so, anyways, you make your way into the hangar and then you put in the keys and it come to find out that they were manipulating you the whole time. Liquid didn't have the launch codes. He didn't have the key. He didn't have any of it. He was impersonating your old master, which was Cos Miller, that you know, your pappy ran with in the 70s and 80s. And you go back and you get all the keys done for to stop the launch and come to find out you just activated that Metal Gear. So you're, you're fighting the Metal Gear, you're shooting stingers at it and it's a pain in the ass. And then here comes Gray Fox again as the cyborg ninja. And he's like, I got one shot left to do this. And he draws Liquid's attention. Liquid slams him up against the wall with the with Metal Gear. Uh, which one is this one? Rex? Richard, it's Rex, right? Yeah. There's like a billion Metal Gears, you know. Uh, 
So Rex, he takes the leg, slams him up against the thing. You know this dude is all but fucked. And he shoots like a Mega Man cannon arm thing at him and fucks up the fucks up Metal Gear. And so Snake starts shooting at it and he fucks it up even more and it's finally down and out of commission. And you end up fighting Liquid hand to hand on top of Metal Gear. And if you're not careful, you'll slip, fall off, fuck your whole day up. Was um, this the one on the PlayStation? Yes. Oh, this is the one I grew up with. Like, I used to watch my brother play this all the time. Yeah. So, then after that, you uh, you get in your little vehicle, and you go to save the day and leave. Find out that the uh, Secretary of Defense has got Campbell arrested. He's sending in nukes. He said, I'm going to nuke all this shit. Act like this shit never happened. The whole time Liquid's thinking that he's the inferior clone when it turns out that he is the one with the dominant traits and Snake is the one that has the recessive genes. Um, so you talk with Naomi who was the uh, the doctor in the beginning, gave you the injection of the nanomachines to help you from freezing to death. And she says, yeah, Frank was my adopted brother and all this, that, and the other, and you fucking left him for dead. It's all your fault. You know, Frank never told her that he killed her parents. So it was, uh, it was kind of... Touching. So she came in and developed a virus called Fox Dye, and it was going to kill all of Liquid's crew from coming in contact with, with Snake. And eventually, because Liquid shared the same DNA as Snake, it would have killed Snake. So Naomi could have her revenge. Um... So the canon ending is Meryl getting on the on the boat or on the little snowmobile with you or the four-wheeler or whatever. And you think they're going to go live happily ever after, do this, that, and the other. Uh, the president calls off the nuclear strike because apparently he didn't know what was going on. But that turns out to be a bunch of bullshit. Credits roll. Everybody's happy. Everybody's safe. And you hear Ocelot talking to the president. He says they didn't realize that there was a third. And then he calls him Solidus. And he says they didn't suspect me of being a spy or any of this. And yes, I have the disc you wanted. And then he says, okay, goodbye, Mr. President. Boom. Now, two years later, this should put us around 2007. You have a tanker. So, so Snake and Otacon have formed a like a non-profit group called Philanthropy. And they've basically been traveling on Metal Gear. All kind of, anytime, anytime somebody builds a Metal Gear, they're there to shut it the fuck down. They get word from an anonymous tip, which normally they don't follow. But Otacon's like, nah, I got to take this one because the initials were of his sister's. And they 
they they follow up on it. Snake lands on the boat. His stealth camo gets fucked up, and he goes in. He gets pictures of Metal Gear Ray, which is an amphibious Metal Gear that you know can go underwater, go on land. Um, and while the Marine commander is giving his speech, Ocelot shows up with a new arm. And you and you fight uh, Ocelot's little buddy's daughter, uh, Olga. Find out she's pregnant. You didn't kill her. You had Trank. You couldn't kill her. That'd have been fucked up. It would. I mean, it already looked bad because you got caught by a drone standing over a pregnant woman's body with a gun. Looked real bad. Um, so then Ocelot's there. He's got a new arm. It's liquid. Liquid possesses him. But he really doesn't. We'll go over that in a little bit, too. Uh, liquid possesses him. And all of a sudden you hear, hello, brother. And, and that weird but yet amazing voice acting right there. Um, and Snake's like, whoa, hold up. It's fucking liquid. What the hell's going on here? And he takes off in Ray. They make a big stink about it. Otacon dumps Liquid's body from Shadow Moses. He dumps his body in in the water to uh, fake Snake's death. They go on the run. So next thing you have coming is you you're you you get a codec call from Colonel Campbell and. He, he's calling you Snake, and you're you're infiltrating this place, almost exactly like you infiltrated Shadow Moses. You swim in, you come up, to procure on site, and then you go into the elevator, and you're walking up to the elevator, and you see that the guards are already incapacitated, and you see a guy going up the elevator. You call Campbell, you're like, "Hey man, there's somebody else here but me," and they're like, "The yeah, the Navy SEALs are there." They kidnapped the fucking president. And the Secret Service. <clears throat> all of them. So this group is, uh, they're called the Sons of Liberty, and it is Fortune, who cannot die, who can't be shot. You have Vamp, who is a vampire. You have Fat Man, who is a bombs expert. I feel like I'm missing one. Richard, am I missing one? Am I missing one of the Sons of Liberty? I don't think so. Uh, this is where you start to lose me knowledge-wise with Metal Gear. I want to say it was... That may be it. Uh, who who did you name? Fortune Vamp, Fat Man, and then, of course, Solidus. And then Ocelot's involved again. I think that was, uh, I think that was the only one. Only ones. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're a sleeper group called Dead Cell. And they've taken over this, what's supposed to be a cleanup facility for the Patriots. Or, or like some of them, the tanker, the, the ship that was calling the Metal Gear in the part where you played a snake, when it, when it went down, they set up this big old cleanup facility called the Big Shell. It wasn't a cleanup facility. It was a 
front for a armored fortress called Arsenal Gear, done by Solidus, who we know from the last one is the former president of the United States, George Sears, and the perfect clone. He came about a little bit later than Snake and Liquid. So Ryan's going through there and his girlfriend is the uh, data analyst in this one. And she's constantly bugging. Do you know what tomorrow is? Do you know what tomorrow is? And I'm just like, bro, he's in the middle of a fucking mission. Knock it off. I mean, mean, she will call you randomly. Do you know what tomorrow is? Anyway, so you, you fight through all the bosses and you go through and then you save Emma and we find out what happened to Hal's father, who, like I said, had helped Big Boss in <coughs> Five and Peace Walker and all that. You find out that he drowned while swimming with Emma in the family pool. And the reason that Otacon didn't come and save him is because Otacon was busy fucking his stepmom. I told y'all, man, Kojima's a pervert. Um, He's either. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's that perverted shit. Um, So, he, uh, his sister, Emma, was the one who sent the information on Ray. And... They decided to investigate that, and that's what caused the whole tanker incident, the big shell, and all that. And so Raiden goes through, and you have to fight Bam. And Raiden really seems like a candy ass for most of this game. He runs up, he meets, he fights with Vamp. Um, Vamp is not dying, he's doing everything he can to stop him. Nothing's happening. Then this guy comes in, says his name's Iroquois Pliskin, and he's with Navy SEAL Team B, and starts blowing with Vamp away, and Vamp leaves. And he has a cigarette, and he's like, hey, man, yeah, my name's Iroquois Pliskin, which is a native name, which means snake. So his name is literally Snake Pliskin. Woo! And... Anyway, so his name was his name was literally Snake Pliskin, and the Iroquois tribe is actually known for bringing in refugees and people that are war torn. And they, so so that's like a bunch of hints to the name that that Snake chose. Go through, you have to dispose of some bombs. Snake clowns on Raiden for being like. Yeah, man, I did all my training in VR. And Snake's like, bitch, that ain't shit. That that just teaches you not to have the fear of dying. <laughs> Goes through. Uh, they find this bomb disposal expert named Stillman. He's got a bum leg, or so you think. Goes through. Tells Ryden, spray this spray on the bombs. It'll freeze them. They won't explode. 
So Ryan goes, he he does his bombs, and then Snake goes and does his bombs, and then Stillman's like, all the locations on these bombs is all wrong. Something's not right. And he goes to check one out, and it blows the fuck up. Destroys one of the shells. And they are pretty much fucked at that point. Stillman dies. Everybody feels bad about it for like three seconds. Ryden goes down to the other side, saves Emma. She's going to pull out. She's going to put in a uh, a virus to stop this Metal Gear. And turns out that there's all this AI and shit like that. You know, pushing everything. And the whole world, they, this is when they start learning about the Patriots and what they are. And they find out, they get the list of names of the Patriots and Otacons like they all died over 100 years ago, which is complete bullshit. Because, you know, Zero is still alive and all that. So you fight, uh, like, so you determine, they determine that Arsenal gear which is what the cover-up was, is a huge fucking transport for mass-produced Metal Gear Rays. Like, there's a fuck-ton of them. And you end up, you fight a whole bunch of them, and then Snake knocks you out, and Olga shows up as the cyborg ninja, and she gives you a fucking sword. It, that part was pretty damn cool. You get to have a sword. That was about the only saving grace for riding in this game. Because a lot of us was pissed off. Anyway, so they crashed Arsenal gear into New York. And it turns out to be a simulation of creating another solid snake. Except this actually happened. They were trying to make Raiden a solid snake. Raiden and Solidus fight on top of Arsenal gear, and Raiden kills Solidus. This to the end of 2009. Fuck. It's a long story. Mm-hmm. Metal Solid 4. You get Snake. He's old. The nanomachines and the cloning technology has made him an old man. He uh, he goes to the Middle East trying to finally be done with Ocelot. He's going to kill him. He's going to assassinate him. Straight up, he's like, I'm done with this bullshit. We finna go. So he gets through, gets all the way over there, sees Ocelot, sees Naomi from Metal Gear Solid working with Ocelot. And the Patriot system has now full control over the weapons, over the people, over everything. They can manipulate their nanomachines to, like, they use the nanomachines so they don't feel the implications of what they do in war anymore. They don't feel remorse, they don't feel pain. They don't, you know, and then when the nanomachines get cut off, they get all of that emotion at once. And it is 
debilitating. Turns out there's another there's one of the guys that are on the team that Snake meets up with, which is led by Merrill, who is Colonel Campbell's daughter. Although in Metal Gear One or Solid One they tell us that she's his niece or she's yeah. But she's not, she's his daughter. Whole bunch of shit. So Snake gets through that, meets this guy named Revan who unlocks guns for him and gives him a shot of nanomet. Come to find out, he gives him a updated version of Fox Die. Remember that one from Metal Gear Solid 1? That was killing Liquid and the DARPA chief and all those people? Got an updated version of it now. This version is meant to take out Big Boss, Major Zero, Liquid, and Ava. Or Eva. My bad. Um... You proceed throughout the game. You go meet up with Marilyn then. And, uh, oh, Shitty Guard from Metal Gear Solid 1 is in this. His name is, uh, they call him Akiba. His name is Johnny. And he has no nanomachines. So he's not affected by when the Patriot system does what they want to do. And... Basically, what Ocelot's goal is, is to completely destroy the Patriots' control over the soldiers in the field, living up to what Big Boss had always wanted. He always wanted his soldiers to be free. So, you go to Germany, you disguise yourself as Younger Snake, you almost get busted, then you meet with Ava. She says, I have Big Boss's body here waiting for the Patriots to not have control. Turns out that's not Big Boss's body. It's Solidus's body. They're trying to transport it. Ocelot's pissed off about it. So Ocelot's attacking them while they're transporting. They get out there. They find out Ocelot's got this big-ass ship called Outer Haven. Just play on Big Boss's place called Outer Heaven. It's basically a new modified arsenal gear. There's no way to launch anything with this one. So he is waiting, inviting his time to figure out his way to utilize it against the Patriots. Um, If you play the games, you're going to notice a lot of people say Lolly Lulelo instead of the word Patriot. Because they physically cannot say the word patriot. Machines prevent them from saying it. Um, Let's see, where are we at? Uh, So, Liquid shows up, does his shit. Olga's daughter's on the the boat with with, uh, Otacon. Raiden's out doing Raiden shit. He's become a cyborg ninja at this point. And Raiden's old lady is shacking up with Colonel Campbell. I was like, what in the world is going on here when I saw that? Oh, yeah, they're going to Shadow Moses. Because Ocelot wants to take the railgun off of Rex so he can launch his nukes, fuck up the Patriot system. 
So you fight, you get in, you get in Rex as Snake, and you fight against Ray that Ocelot's in. Then you and Ocelot end up fighting hand to hand on top of Arsenal gear. Just like the fight with Liquid. And as you keep fighting and keep fighting, it becomes more and more Ocelot that you're fighting than Liquid. This is no longer Revolver Ocelot. It's Liquid Ocelot. The possession is taking like full hold. Um, you go through. You pretty much get completely fucked. Raiden has no arms or legs anymore. He's like a torso with a sword in his mouth fucking people up. Damn. Meryl and shit boy Johnny get married. And everybody was like, I always thought Meryl and Snake were going to be like the couple of the game. And now Meryl and shit boy get married. And it's fucking weird. And they go to the wedding and Snake's there and Sonny's there. And it's a big, beautiful event. Turns out Rose is only shacking up with the Colonel for like protection. To like protect. Ryden's kid and all this shit. And then the bomb drops. Snake goes to the gravesite of Big Boss. And he knows he's got this fox die in him. He doesn't realize that the original fox die that's going to kill him is is gone. It's overridden. Um he's about to blow his head off. And he, can't, humanity. he can't bring himself to do it. And out of the corner of his eye, he sees his pappy. Completely restored from the uh, flamethrower incident with parts from Solidus and Liquid's bodies. Wait, 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 wait. Pause for a second. I thought the boss that got burnt was actually... Was actually Venom Snake. No, Venom Snake was the one he beat in the first one. The boss that got burned was actually Big Boss. It's long and convoluted, man. It's hard to keep up with. Hell, I'm losing track, and that's all in my head. Uh, so. Oh, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. So Snake and Big Boss are standing there talking, having a conversation. Big Boss says, look, this is what we wanted to end up happening. We wanted the Patriots destroyed. We wanted people to have free will. We wanted people to know what's going on. We didn't want to have everything controlled. We just wanted soldiers to not be weapons of war. We wanted them to be viewed as more than just a tool. So... They share, a, they share a smoke, and then Snake decides he's going to quit smoking and live out his life. And Big Boss pulls the plug on Major Zero, and then Big Boss succumbs to the fox die that Drebin had injected into old. You know, it bugs me a little bit. I'm pretty sure it's. Solid Snake was older than Boss, Big Boss at that time. Uh, probably, because he he had the rapid aging going on, and like they're talking at the cemetery, and I was like, okay. <laughs> well, let's see. Big Boss was born in 
but he went into cryostasis in 95. So he was, what, 66, 56? And then Solid Snake, he looked like he was in his eight seventies, 80s. Yeah, well, we know that Snake was born in the 70s. Oh, man, Snake. So we had that going. And that is the official end of the Metal Gear franchise. So Jim having a big falling out with uh I don't think we will ever see another Kojima story with Metal Gear. And that kind of makes me sad. Cause I want remakes of Metal Gear One and Two. I want I want one that takes place during World War Two where you are you're with the boss and her squad. You know, with the sorrow and all of them. I just think that'd be pretty dang cool. Get a little bit of a... Expand on the story a little bit more. Does it really need that expansion? <laughs> I mean, if you play through the games, the game... Look, I'm going to be real. I probably do not explain this near as good as the game. I could never do it. When you play through the game, everything starts to click, you know? When you're like, oh, shit, yeah, I remember this happening here. Like, in Metal Gear Solid 3 and Snake Eater, if you kill Ocelot, you get a game over. You, really? They're like, you've created a time paradox. That's I, interesting. Yeah, I always thought that shit was cool. I, I mean... There's a lot to the series and a lot more detail that I could go into. But overall, it's got a great story. You get some amazing lines from it. You know, Metal Gear Solid 1, you had love. Can You know, you had the question, can love bloom on the battlefield? And, you know, Ocelot tends to fall in love with the wrong women. He fell in love with Sniper Wolf and then Snake killed her. And then he fell in love with Naomi, and uh, Naomi killed herself. And then, you get Snake in a cardboard box. Yeah, and then you get Snake in the box. Which but, is the best disguise ever. I mean, isn't it, though? <laughs> in the middle of the hallway. Oh, oh, it's just a box. Fuck it. Did it move? Nope. Nope. So you had some questions for me earlier today. Let's see them. And I know Richard's got a whole bunch of questions. How many questions do you have for me, Richard? Oh, uh, well, I mean, really, you answered most of them throughout your thing, so. <laughs> like I said, it was just a little quiz. It wasn't really questions. So the original run of the games, that was all Solid Snake. And then the new ones were all prequels to that. Okay, so Metal Gear 1, 2, Metal Gear Solid, which got its name because it was the first three-dimensional Metal Gear game. So you had solid characters. Ooh. A little tidbit of information for you. Um, 
Let's see. Metal Gear 1, 2, solid. You get like 15 minutes on Metal Gear Solid 2 playing as Snake. And then Metal Gear Solid 4 is Solid Snake. That's that's Dave. And then Metal Gear Solid 3, Metal Gear Solid 5, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker is all Big Boss. Okay. And then Raiden. Raiden. I'm sorry. Raiden, whatever happens to him. I know he turns into like a cyborg. He, so, I'm not entirely sure where Metal Gear Rising fits in the canon. I'm not, I don't know that it's a canonical game at all. I don't but think so. fun as shit. It's like you get Metal Gear and it is a hack and slash. Nice. It's fucking dope. I love it. A lot of people were like, ah, I don't fucking like this. I was like, shut up. This game's awesome. Um, so one of the biggest things that Metal Gear did was it paved the way for the stealth tactical games, which, you know, you're rewarded for, like, when you complete a Metal Gear game, you're rewarded for not getting a certain amount of alerts phases. You're, you get, like, Kojima's really not big on violence. And if you can go through the games without killing anyone, you get like mad rewards and stuff for it and different ranks and stuff. I was going to say, he, he awards you if you beat the game with non-lethal, right? Yeah. You get rewards for beating the game anyway, but you definitely get, like, you get the tuxedo, you get uh, the bandana, which gives you unlimited ammo. You get That's cool. health camo, where you pretty much can just walk through the game and not have to fight anybody but bosses. <laughs> I mean, it is legit ridiculous. Um, and then you get... I mean, there's a whole bunch of things. You get different weapons. Um... There's like a whole bunch of things that you can do throughout the game too. Like if you get shot a bunch, you'll start bleeding. Your health bar will be orange. If you squat down while you're bleeding, you'll leave a pool of blood behind you. But when your health bar turns green, you'll stop bleeding. You can get up and run around again. Um... There's a whole bunch of like little nods to stuff. Has some of the best cutscenes, and, and they, the thing with Metal Gear is they focus less on the game and more on the cinematic. It's got like that Metal Gear Solid Two probably has the best soundtrack ever. Metal Gear Solid Two even though it gets shit on a lot because, oh, we didn't, we... So, in the whole ad campaign for Metal Gear Solid 2, you're like, fuck yeah, Solid Snake, he's back at it, we're fucking shit up. Then 15 minutes of the game, they're like, ha, surprise, bitch! You get to play as this lady man who gets fondled by the president. 
But correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he Snake all along? Who? Raiden? No, he was doing a simulation to become the next super soldier. Raiden is not related to Snake at all. Now, Raiden was raised by Solidus as a child soldier. They called him Jack the Ripper. What else was it? The white-haired devil? Oh, that's cool. Um, uh, the guy who um, got Liquid's arm, what was his name again? I forget. Ocelot. Ocelot. It was weird that Ocelot made that all up. Yeah, it was all hypnotherapy and nanomachines. He's just like, no, Liquid's not alive. That's retarded. I do all that. So, here's my thing. Is Ocelot was the good guy the whole time. Ocelot wanted to shut down the Patriot system. He wanted to live, he wanted to make the world that Boss and Big Boss wanted. Which obviously, Boss was his mother. Mm -hmm. So... He like did long Snake, Snake had been manipulated by the Patriots through the whole series. The Patriots were in control and Shadow Moses and wanted him to stop Liquid from trying to fuck the Patriots over. And then in Metal Gear Solid 2, Liquid's trying to fight the Patriots. <clears throat> and Liquid actually manipulates Snake into getting the worm in to fuck up their AI system. In Metal Gear Solid 4, Ocelot's trying to completely eradicate the Patriots and their AI and all this to not make it to where they had full control over the soldiers. And Snake is fighting against them the whole way, even though they want the same outcome in the end. They're going about it different ways and they're fighting with each other for nothing. And that's one of the big things is, you know, what are you fighting for? Um, there's a quote in Metal Gear Solid 2. Richard, you can pull that up for me real quick. It's, uh, it's something about, you know, we leave behind more than just our DNA. We leave behind music and influence and film. thing for the next generation and that's another that's probably my favorite quote in the whole series did you find it Richard? Oh, I'm looking for it it's going to be a minute did you just walk into a tornado? eh? Crazy than this game, like everyone's disguises everyone else. Ha! Uh, I'm Big Boss, Big Boss. Yeah, you are. 
do this, 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 and this. Well, see, and that's what Big Boss tells Venom. He says, I am. He says, you are. I thought that Venom think he was. Towards the end of it, my cats are playing hockey with a water bottle lid right now. <laughs> that's fun. It's they, That's what you're hearing. Iris has got this, like a, the lid for the core water bottles. She found one and now she's slapping it all over the place. And then Barry's following her around trying to slap it out of her hands. And when you tell her <laughs> stop. So. Did you find it yet, Richard? No. You're killing me. Oh my god, I found it. I'm solid. You're not solid. I'm solid. And I'm the Red Power Ranger. Alright. You can be the Red Power Ranger. Life, life isn't just about passing on your genes. We can leave behind much more than just DNA. Through speech, music, literature, movies, what we've seen, heard, felt, anger, joy, and sorrow. These are the things I will pass on. That's what I live for. We need to pass the torch and let our children read our messy and sad history by its light. We have all the magic of the digital age to do that with. The human race will probably come to an end sometime, and a new species may rule over this planet. Earth may not be forever, but we still have the responsibility to leave what traces of life we can. Building the future and keeping the past alive are one and the same thing. Yeah. Agreed. That shit right there, like, hits home. So what do you think, fellas? Can we good? Uh, Rich, I thought Rich was going to ask me some questions. I want to see. I want to do these quizzes, damn it. I want to see how much of it I know. And I All might right. be able to might be able to drop some more tidbits in with a little bit of coercion. Just don't torture me. I promise not to use auto fire. Knowledge is power. The next generation special forces who took part of the uprising with Foxhound were given what treatment? Next generation special forces were given what? Were given what treatment? Uh, the genome treatment, right? Yeah. That's what... So here's the thing about that. All those soldiers that you fucked up in the first Metal Gear Solid, those are just basic guards that were under Psycho Manus's spell. Like, he was like, hey, you guys are going to do what I tell you to do. And they got, like, all kind of fucked up. Psycho Manus, man, when you fight him, like, he will, like, back on the old PlayStation, he would read your memory card and be like, oh, I see you've played such and such Konami game. Like, oh, you played Silent Hill. That's cool. He did the same thing with the GameCube. Yeah. With, so you've uh, been playing Super Mario Sunshine. Yeah. And That's then, awesome. And then he would be like, you would be fighting him, right? And you couldn't do anything. Like your controller would stop working. You had to unplug your controller and plug it into controller port two to fight him. You had you could shoot the statues and all that shit. It was 
like the screen would go black, you know, like the old TVs, it would say video at the top when you're like your PlayStation was turned off. It would say video, like you He's know, showing our age. Yeah, so yeah, so what it would do is it would, like in the middle of the fight, it would cut out and it would say Hideo instead of video. I was like, man, this dude is on point, man. I remember that game, man. My buddy Blake had it, you know, the same buddy whose mom got me the Pokemon cards and the one that I'd watch Star Wars with all the time. Well, he's the one who showed me Metal Gear, so I blame all this on him. I actually told him that earlier today. I said, man, we're doing our Metal Gear episode tonight, and this is all your fault. (laughs) All right, so what's your next one? Uh, Let me find one. Okay, how long did Snake have to beat Metal Gear Solid? How, How many hours did he actually have to complete the mission? Oh, I have no clue on that one. He had to complete the mission within 18 hours. Son of a gun. I was going to guess that. I had no clue on that one. I really didn't. That's part of the story. That's probably in the briefing at the beginning that I skipped. It it is in the briefing at the beginning. Campbell tells Snake there's only 18 hours left before the deadline. It's also when Snake cuts his hair. Yeah. He didn't want to be recognized as Liquid. Yeah, he, he says, I don't want to look like Liquid, and then spends the whole game, like, why would why would you have to not look like Liquid if you don't think you and Liquid look alike? Because when Meryl tells they look alike, he's like, no, I don't. Like, yeah, you, you kind of do, buddy. All right. Well, I didn't. I wasn't expecting a question. I wasn't going to get. <laughs> what video game did did Snake make his appearance in Super Smash? Oh, I don't know. Melee. Guess what? This is going to be. I'm going to get shit on for this. I don't play Super Smash Brothers at all. I haven't played it since the N64. I weep for you. That's all right. I play good stuff, you know, like Metal Gear. It's a fun game. I enjoy it. I would give shit on for that comment, too. All right, Richard, what's the next one? When was Foxhound established? Foxhound. And by who? Foxhound? Yep. Foxhound. Foxhound was established in Metal Gear 1 by Big Boss. Yes. What's the... Fox was established after the Virtuous mission, and XOF, which is the one that Skullface ran in Phantom Pain, was Fox but he got tired of working for Zero. So he's like, we're, we're XOF. Like, you're just Fox backwards. Uh, all the other questions you pretty much answered. Damn. Yeah, I mean, 
the island was Shadow Moses. We know that. It's the questions were fairly easy. I mean, unless you like want some super hard ones. Come on, lay it on me. All right, give me one second. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Pew. What is the title of the ending theme? <laughs> the fuck? These questions actually come from a uh from the game. Really? Yeah. That's how you unlock the uh Classic snake suit, and then how you unlock the cyborg ninja uh, suit. On oh, what game? Metal Gear Solid One. Oh, well, didn't know about that. That's really cool. Yeah, there's two quizzes: there's a normal quiz and a hard quiz. That's Did how you get those. that. Yeah, like uh. How do they censor Johnny Sasaki's privates in the U.S. release of Metal Gear Solid 1? With pixelation? Yes. Oh, doogie butt. In Metal Gear Solid 4, he's taking a shit in a barrel. Yeah. And then you get to get in a barrel and roll around, which sounds terrible when you think about it. Especially if that dude was just shitting in that barrel. Yeah. All right, uh... What did the PAL and the PAL key stand for? I don't know, but I can tell you what it did. <laughs> it was, you were told you had to have three keys to prevent Metal Gear. And really, you just had that one key, but you had to get it cold, room temperature, and hot. So you had to go to different environments that you'd passed through throughout the game previously. So what did it stand for? Permissive Action Link. It oh, is the Permissive did. Action Link key. Uh, these questions are kind of hard. Um, okay. When Otacon visited Snake at a cell after he was captured, he was given what level of security card? Six. Yes. Okay. And you use the ketchup to make the guard think you died. Hmm. Guard comes in, he's like, what the fuck? And Snake's laying there in ketchup. And then Snake beats the shit out of the guard and gets his gear after, you know, Ocelot took it from him and was trying to fuck him up. Right, so you answered this question already, but it's going to be a two-part question. Who did Otacon fall in love with in Metal Gear Solid 1? Sniper Wolf. Yes. What did Snake call Otacon's love for her? A crush? Stockholm Syndrome. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he did. I don't know. I think Sniper Wolf was a great character, except for the fact that she had her tits all out and the ice cold. Because, you know, Kojima. That's every Kojima female character, though. Mm-hmm. Quiet was bad, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, even when you go to Metal Gear Solid 4, Naomi Hunter has tits out. Like, bro, come on. Have a little bit of dignity to yourself. Like, they were doing okay with Eva, 
until the first or like the second cutscene she was in. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have the scene behind the waterfall when she pulls the chip out of him. Yeah. Oh, man, that is like way inappropriate. But that's just funny. The, my big thing is Snake was pretty much like, oh, you're a woman. Yeah, it was weird, weird dialogue, but he was like, like they was all just trying to drop them panties for him. And all he did was hi, Snake. Like, bro, <laughs> the fuck? Oh, man. Except for Olga. Olga tried to but all right, yeah, that's pretty much all the questions. All right, uh, so you guys went through the series earlier. Is there anything that y'all had that you wanted me to touch on? Yeah. I thought you did a uh, fairly good job from my end on trying to explain a what almost thirty year old game series. Oh man, and it is midnight. I got a meeting in the morning, so we're gonna call this. <laughs> 